Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pod. I'm Nick, and uh, today I'm joined by Sedipto, Daryl, Raj, Ricardo, and Natalia. And we are all excited by the promise of remote patient monitoring, RPM. Uh, and this is really the idea of a clinic or a health system capturing a stream of physiologic data from patients analyzing it for signals that suggest a turn for the worse, a change in the patient's underlying status, and pouncing on that data uh, to make an intervention before things get serious. Uh, and that could be just changing a medication or making some kind of recommendation before like a transient blip becomes a real emergency and the patient ends up uh, actually sick. Uh, and that's the promise of RPM. But we know that the patients uh, that have the chronic care needs that uh, have been shown to benefit from RPM, these are the patients that are often the least equipped to manage the technology. And this technology is going to be wearable devices, communicating uh, with the patient's phone or a hub in their home uh, by Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, feeding that data into a dashboard, sending a notification to a clinician or a care team. There are a lot of unique points of failure in this workflow. And uh, I guess I haven't given enough thought to tech support and how uh, tech support in RPM would work. Uh, I saw this tweet from a uh, healthcare thought leader, Andy Machkowski, about how Best Buy was actually positioned to provide tech support for RPM. And honestly, I was floored because uh, it's Best Buy. You know, I haven't really thought about Best Buy in a long time. It's where I bought my DVD player in 1996. And it's kind of hard for me to believe that in the year 2020, it's where Grandpa will turn when his care team uh, discovers that he's having trouble with uh, his glucometer's transmission. So I put it to you guys, our esteemed guest panel here. Um, how do you think tech support will play out in remote patient monitoring? Well, Nick, um, I think in our investigations here at the hospital um, regarding remote patient monitoring programs, seems to me that what would take this process to the next level would be a scenario where a Best Buy, an Amazon, or a company with that reach takes over the distribution, the support, and the device logistics, such as delivery, setup instructions, tutorials, that kind of thing. Um, the next layer would then be the platform, right, where perhaps we outsource the platform to these big players so healthcare providers can do what they do best, provide care by creating treatment plans, um, the hands-on stuff that they know how to do well, right? Um, but further, once these companies get into the game, device manufacturers would have the incentive to create devices that are medical grade monitors, uh, but with consumer marketing and pricing so that they become ubiquitous. Everyone has a, a wearable that uh, tracks their progress over time. So fewer visits are required. That's the, the thoughts I've been having of late. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like your vision of uh, the tech support here. I guess I've been really biased. I got to go uh, I was in Louisiana a few years ago, and I, I got to see uh, Oxner Health. 
And they have uh, these famous O bars, kind of modeled on the Apple Genius Bar. And they, they put a bunch of these O bars in their big clinics across Louisiana. Um, and they're kind of fancy. And the idea is that uh, the doctor writes a prescription for a, a wearable blood pressure cuff or a glucometer or some other biometric uh, device. And then the patient takes this prescription to the OBAR um, and they can pick out, you know, what kind of device they want, the color, et cetera. Um, the technician uh, behind the desk there behind the bar will actually like make sure that it's transmitting data to the patient's phone and that, it, you know, that data feed is already set up. So it's going into the electronic medical record and their doctor can see it. This is before the patient even leaves the, leaves the clinic. And so I kind of imagine like that was how it was going to work. And, uh, and we wouldn't have to, you know, send a geek squad van into uh, the patient's house. But uh, maybe I was being a bit short-sighted. Sedipto, uh, what do you think? You know, I think um, there are different models out there. Um, I think it's, since we're talking about Best Buy and their sort of foray into this area, perhaps we can unpack that a little bit more. You know, I, I think it can be a combination of all of the options of sending somebody home, having some phone support, making the product easy, help desks, and so on. Uh, but in the end, as as many things go, the finances, the numbers need to work out. Um, you know, you can. You know, th there has to be a certain percentage that perhaps gets handled via in-person encounters, but it's still a large percentage of that has to be handled by you know, on the phone or better smart videos and tutorials that you know, even our disadvantaged populations can um, can watch and understand. Um, I think, you know, from a from an opportunities perspective, if I'm like a Best Buy and we're not, um, or it could be a similar company, you know, this is a very interesting space. And, you know, as I, as I think about this, there are like a few ingredients, I'll put them down as three ingredients that are required for a successful tech support kind of model for RPM. And you've got to have number one, a physical proximity to the user, uh, whether it's digitally or like, you know, where you can call them and somebody comes up or, you know, they are part of a routine group of people that visit you. Um, there has to be an established fleet of technicians who can add servicing of these devices onto an existing portfolio. You know, think about your cable provider that's coming in for certain things, well, and now they can do a little bit more, or the geek squad as Best Buy has. And they need to have some experience as the third point in managing the overall cost structures, because you know anything that involves people, humans, transfer, you know, transportation adds up pretty, pretty quickly. And, and Best Buy seems to have a lot of these combinations, uh, you know, and they can really flex in that area. And not to say that they're the only ones. You know, we talked about cable companies. So AT&T bought Spectrum. You know, they have all of these three combinations: so proximity to the user, a fleet of technicians, and they can manage the cost well. Uh, companies like CVS and Walmart have a couple of these options. Um, and all of these companies have an incentive because once the people come in, you know, they can end up buying other things, whether it's batteries or other tools at Best Buy or you know, toothpaste and toilet paper at CVS or something. You know, and this is where I kind of deviate a little bit from the Oshner model, because I somehow don't think that that's a scalable model, because for, our, for a hospital system to be able to you know, 
offer something else to a patient while they're there does not exist. You know, you can't go buy a different product because the product that we're selling is, you know, health services. So, you know, I think Ricardo mentioned earlier about, you know, outsourcing some of these functions. I think that might be a better way of standing this up than not, because uh, even Ashna claimed um, that, you know, in the, in the article that, that they had published recently, that they're not making money. In fact, they're losing money on these things. My thought. Yeah, and I think um, companies like Best Buy, Walmart, Costco, and others like that are, are uniquely positioned to provide services that uh, will support the next generation of healthcare. So, um, you know, seniors, they already trust those brands, those companies. Um, they've been um, patrons of them for a long time. And they're often in their stores on a regular basis, sometimes weekly, daily. Um, and um, those type of merchants, they could they could easily sell those products um, that will enable that ne- next generation of at-home healthcare. So, I think this this allows customers, senior customers, to come into the store, and we know that they like to try these things out in person, right? Um, many, many, oftentimes, we want to find the model that gets a device to the patient without any human touch, and that's great for efficiency and repeatability and keeping costs low. But oftentimes, certain uh, patient demographics they want to come in and, and try things out in, in person. Um, so I think that's good. And then while they're there, they can try the device out. They could also get help from a human that's right in front of them, somebody who's at the Best Buy Geek Squad or the OBAR service. Um, you know, um, they can actually interface directly with a human and say, I have these issues with my with my service. Can you help me out? Um, cell phone manufacturers can also uh, play a role here. And I think they have a, a unique opportunity to help um, these medical devices integrate with the phones and tablets. Um, you know, oftentimes the the key point about configuring these devices is getting the app for the remote patient monitoring device, getting that app onto the patient's cell phone or their tablet. Um, and cell phone companies, uh, manufacturers, they could set standards uh, to make it easier for these um these medical devices to integrate with their phones, or they could uh, come preloaded uh, with these devices on the phones so that we don't have to go through that configuration step. So there's there's many things that could be done to make it an easier process. I agree with what everyone has said so far, but I think that there might be a combination of things uh, like, the, like the Geek Squad, um, our own internal help desk, or the third party that um, created the device in the first place. The reason I think that is because there's a challenge with relying on a Best Buy Geek Squad type of model being that we might end up being limited to the devices that they support rather than maybe the clinical devices that our own doctors think would be the best option for our patients um, so that they might not be prepared to support such a large variety of models of devices or upon request, it might be a big lift or they might not be willing to do it at all. Um, I think that Geek Squad type of model might work best um, for those patients that just choose to buy their own medical devices to have at home, like their own thermometer or whatever it might be, smart device. Um, In that case, I think the Geek Squad model might work, but for something that we might discharge a patient with that, uh, you know, maybe Best Buy won't support, we might need to do so ourselves. Or perhaps have a third party, you know, the ones the ones who own those actual devices, or 
some other organization that we work with to support that. I think the delivery model, however, like an Amazon or a Best Buy, I think that would be helpful either way to have them do that for us. But as far as actual technical support, I am not sure that we'd be able to rely on those organizations for that. Uh, you're bringing up some good points. Uh, thank you, Natalia and Daryl Sadipto. The, the, uh, you're right. And, and you're thinking like far, far ahead. I'm still like in this world of the next few months or a year or so where like there's, there's only a handful of devices and we, uh, the clinicians, get to pick them out. And, uh, and uh, I can only imagine when the tables have turned and it's the geek squad that's telling us what they're going to support how that happens but if we're going to think that far ahead then i wonder about like should we as a, as a society or as an industry be investing in like devices that are just much better designed so rigorously tested and and uh, put together that uh just a robust device that is going to work or should we be kind of expecting that uh, things are always going to need some kind of level of service and, and support what do you think, Raj? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a different way of thinking this, this problem, right? So now we are talking about having a universal platform, the RPM platform for all different kind of population and they just right? So, I mean, I, I try out many apps and mobile games. It's always tricky as a first-time user, okay, how to use this, how to remove the items, how to sort them. I mean, there are many interfaces. It may get complicated, right, with the functionality and everything. Given the background that I'm a mobile developer, so there is always a learning curve. So, so usually uh, these apps provide some kind of user education via very interactive tutorial, like a visually aided uh, text boxes, uh, highlights, and circles and arrows, right? I mean, that will help guide the user. Hey, this is how you are going to use this, right? I mean, with a usability, right? So that will get the basics done. So in terms of support, you are looking at a two different um, kind, right? I mean, how-to kind of support, like, okay, it's more uh, educational related, uh, right? How to use this, how to set up my device, how to configure my device, how to connect my device with the Bluetooth and so on, right? It's a, it's a good tutorial and uh, the guided uh, tutorial, so this can be achievable. And the second kind of support is, I mean, not working kind of support, right? I mean, something is not working. Hey, it was working yesterday, it's not working today. How can I see my readings? My reading, readings are not showing in that, right? So this kind of support kind of need human technical support, right? Because the bot can just bring you to up to some point, but definitely the user want to interact with the, some human to say, this is my problem, how do I fix the problem, right? So you need uh, uh, the technical support kind of as well. So the, the point I'm trying to make here is that the robust design will actually engage the user in, in better, right? And it will reduce the, uh, the support cost. For example, um, the, the design, right? The, the RPM devices, right? It is not actually designed universally. In the general curve, right? It's very difficult for the elderly people to use that. So we have to concentrate on the design. Okay, how we can make it better so that it can be used regardless of the age, regardless of the different demographic group. How everyone can use it, right? So if we focus the design, definitely that will eliminate the human error 
and it will it will be better at engaging the users and significantly reduce the support cost as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with those sort of sentiments. You know, the only thing I would add is that the effort to make something very easy is directly proportional to the value that we get from a happy customer. So if RPM increases in scale and you know our doctors and our clinical teams and even payers who are paying for these things they see value and they see you know an an ROI out of this thing in monitoring patients at home then the aspects of design ease of use good customer service all of those will start falling into place because that's how other products and services in the industry evolve you know and there's one area of hope which is the manufacturers of the RPM devices themselves and you know, to Natalia's point and Nick's point about how many will there be? Will there be hundreds or thousands, or will there be just a few? I mean, that that the jury's still out on that. But each of these device manufacturers, to make sure that they are the best, have an incentive to make sure that the setup is frictionless. Because if I have a choice of thirteen glucometers or you know twenty blood pressure cuffs, I would rather go towards one that is easy and frictionless for the users. And um, and just a last sort of item here on on Best Buy, you know, I think this is why it's such a great area for them to be in this business. You know, if they have a geek squad that that they can, you know, unleash on in this in this RPM area, you know, they'll be at the central point in identifying which products are better, which cost them less than help desk. They can even direct customers and have better ratings and so on in a very expanding sort of a, a marketplace. So I think uh, back to the plug on you know, it'll be good to see industry evolve around this so that hospitals can do what they do best and industry can do what they do best. Yeah, I hear you, Sudipto and, and Raj. I guess I'm, I'm just thinking that, uh, you know, I'm, I think we're all kind of passionate about our consumer tech and like we have the phone that, you know, fits our needs perfectly and we have uh, the, the desktop computer that's optimized for our workflows and so forth. And it, it's, I just kind of imagine the same thing would happen in healthcare where the, the clinician is picking out the, the device that, you know, meets the needs of their clinic or their patient. And it, there could be some pushback, I guess, if, if Geek Squad comes back and says, no, we're not, we don't have any plans to support that device. We're going to support this other one instead. That's, you know, easier for our people to, to maintain. Um, but that's, uh, I guess, uh, th- that would indicate a much more mature field. Uh, that's, I think, a conversation that's going to happen years from now when hopefully when uh, all devices are a lot uh, better and more capable and, and maybe more foolproof. While technology is becoming easier in some senses, I think that there are more types of features uh, being added that still make the process um, or keep the process to be complex. So to that point, younger younger consumers still have many moments where they struggle to configure and pair their devices. And I think um, the seniors will still struggle at times, uh, um, or even more so. Um, And I think for seniors, I think we should focus on keeping the experience uh, to be simple, uh, make sure the design is focused on usability. And, you know, make sure that we focus on that versus adding in additional features and functionality, right? I'd rather have an experience where the seniors can do the basic things 
um, but they can do it well versus giving them all of the options or access to all of these different options, but it's very hard for them to navigate through those screens. And um, as an example, MarketWatch said that uh, Best Buy is making inroads into the healthcare space um, by acquiring critical signal, signal technologies, and they added a chief medical officer. So hopefully they will understand that their that their market is going to include seniors, and that in order to to uh, to uh, deliver healthcare products, uh, they have to do do so in such a way that it, it stays simple. Um, and on the website greatcall.com, uh, they offer um, a phone such as the Jitterbug Smart uh, 2, which has a very simplified user interface to help people get the basic things done as, um, as easily as possible. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And uh, just to maybe add a few more things to that, you know, why not even use this as an opportunity to, to think of further industry collaborations? You know, Best Buy currently sells uh, probably Google Home and you know Alexa kind of devices, and maybe you know the the, the smart sort of voice activated uh, sort of speakers and whatnot. So why not a partnership with with Google Home, Alexa, and the likes, where they can pre-program certain uh, questions uh, and answers for for the seniors or people who are having trouble, so that they can just say, "Hey Alexa, my glucometer is not working. It's showing up weird numbers. Can you troubleshoot that for me?" How cool would that be? That would be very cool, and yet I just I just don't see how we get from here to there. Like I think there's going to be a lot of steps uh, along the way. That uh, still a lot of points of failure. But uh, but maybe you guys are right. Maybe maybe Geek Squad and Best Buy will uh, will uh, have this expanded role in our lives after decades of dormancy, at least for me. Uh, last question on a kind of lighter note: um, What? What would you call a service like this? Because I, I can't believe that Geek Squad will will still be the name that they're going to keep with all this. <laughs> well, I'll I'll go first, and I'll probably take the easy way out or the lazy way out. You know, maybe Health Squad or Device Geek or Geek Squad. Didn't you guys already have an app called Health Squad? Did and maybe there's a plug for that. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I like uh, Health Force or something like that. And when Raj was talking about video games, I thought of a game I used to play called Life Force, where you would like fly inside uh, vessels and organs and stuff. But I don't know. Any other thoughts? I had Health Rescue, Health Help, maybe Best Help, but maybe that's too close to Best Buy. But. <laughs> It's, yeah, I think we got to get the buy out of this because it's, yeah. it's too transactional for life-supporting tech support. <laughs> tech and life support. But I don't know. I, uh, I do appreciate everyone's uh, comments and, and thoughts today, and uh, we will hear from you next time. Thank you to Raj, Natalia, Ricardo, Daryl, and Sedipto. See you soon.